In America, the imagination is generally looked on as something that might be useful when the TV is out of order. Poetry and plays have no relation to practical politics. Novels are for students, housewives and other people who don't work. Fantasy is for children and primitive peoples. Literacy is so you can read the operating instructions. I think the imagination is the single most useful tool mankind possesses. It beats the opposable thumb. I can imagine living without my thumbs, but not without my imagination. That's a quote from a talk given at the meeting of Oregon Literary Arts back in 2002 called The Operating Instructions from a book of essays and reviews called Words Are My Matter written by the inspiring and ever-imaginative American writer Ursula K. Le Guin. I'm John Fanning and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. How's it going? How are you all doing out there? I hope you are all doing well. Um... So this is episode 5 of my series of episodes on creativity, or, since reading Le Guin, on imagination, uh, based around my book Create. Last time I talked about family, friends and those close to us, and how important it is to make the distinction between allies and villains. Now I want to talk about creativity and imagination. I talked about creativity in my first episode, my introduction, in a confused way by saying what creativity is not. Then in the second episode I talked about what creativity is in all its amorphous forms, especially as a positive path or door towards change and hope. Uh, At the time... I hadn't formulated a reasoning for why creativity as a word itself felt so amorphous to me without getting into the idea of value and capitalism, something I will be doing in a long episode about in about another 10 episodes. However, what I knew intuitively was that creativity has been co-opted in some way by academics and corporations, hence my resistance to even using the word. But if not creativity, then what? Everything that uh, came into my head seemed like aspects or parts, either walls or doors away or towards creativity, not an idea or word as amorphous as creativity to signify the creative world in a more ap- um, apex of the triangle kind of way to encompass things, at least until a few days ago. Um, so for a few days ago, my wife Kerry came back from the public library here in Scarborough with a book she said she thought I should read because she knows I love Ursula Le Guin. And, of course, the very first essay I read was the one I read from at the outset of this episode. And the essay clarified what had been gnawing away inside my head now for a long time, 
this distinction between the imagination and creativity. Of course, uh, it had been staring me in the face all this time, even after right, even after um, having written a whole book on what I thought was creativity. Here I was without at least one short chapter on imagination in my book. And yes, in an earlier draft I had had a few paragraphs on imagination, but as with the idea of creativity, it had felt too amorphous to me. Not enough to pay attention to for a whole chapter, that is. So I deleted it. And so here I am again, back again reconsidering the imagination because of Le Guin because she made me understand that my intuition was correct, that creativity has been co-opted and that it is imagination which is more important because it hasn't been co-opted. Because creativity is simply the catch-all to describe the act of using our imagination. Because we are creative when we imagine. When we imagine inspiration comes and when we imagine we create we use the imagination to create we don't use creativity to create creativity itself is objective what we see someone doing creating creating as such yeah and innovation is when is different and it's different again as it is when we better something, um, both being things in the tangible world. And the action of creating, though, that's imagining uh, new theories, characters, or worlds, um, is different. So creativity is imprisoned by reality, where imagination is free, released from the unreal. And here's Le Guin again, uh, later in her essay, which uh, repeats or says says better what I just um, have explained or talked about. In the marketplace, the word creativity has come to mean the generation of ideas applicable to practical strategies to make larger profits. This reduction has gone on so long that the word creative can hardly be degraded further. I don't use it anymore, yielding it to capitalists and academics to abuse as they like. But they can't have imagination. So, exactly. Uh, This is exactly what I was trying to get at in my first episode, but but didn't arrive at it. Um, But... I wanted to write a letter to her after reading that quote to thank her for her clarity, but unfortunately she's she's gone and uh, so this is a way of extrapolating on, on what it is that she inspired uh, me to see. Um, the imagination, of course. Uh, let them have creativity, but they can't take away imagination. And that's imagination with a capital I. They can't take that away from us. Uh, They cannot... 
capitalise on it. Or again, as Le Guin said when she was a little bit later in the, that essay, imagination is not a means of making money. It has no place in the vocabulary of profit-making. It is not a weapon, though all weapons originate from it, and their use or non-use depends on it, as with the tools and their use. The imagination is an essential tool of the mind, a fundamental way of thinking, an indispensable means of becoming and remaining human. So for Le Guin, story is the way into the world of the imagination and the way to share empathy and communal bonding. Uh, for others, the way in could be any of the forms of creativity or, sorry, uh, imagination I've mentioned in previous episodes. But the important thing, uh, the corporatocracy can't splash imagination over their billboards. Even though many have tried to appropriate it for selling products, Disney theme parks, gaming technologies. They've even put it on cruise ships and cars. Albums and songs, fine, I can understand, of which there are countless called imagination. But corporations? Um, Two centuries ago, before Le Guin, Um, The Romantics placed a huge importance on the imagination. How had I forgotten this? Um, To them, it was considered the pinnacle of our mental faculty. Before the Romantics, reason, with a capital R, was seen as all-important, something we seem to have reverted to a lot more today, appealing to the negative reasoning and uninspiring side of science as opposed to the positive creative and inspiring side of science and so for the romantics the imagination became a shaping uh, creative power they saw it in a very Blakeian way on a par with nature or nature with a capital N as a deity dynamic, uh, active alive and changing. Um, Gone is the functions and passivity of reason. To create anything, they argued, you needed imagination. Without it, you were losing before you even started. But they also saw imagination as even larger than this, that it also shaped or shapes our reality. Wordsworth would have said we perceive what is around us but that we also partly create what is around us too. And um, Coleridge's intellectual intuition takes this a little further by saying the imagination synthesizes and allows us to harmonize opposites and differences in the world as it appears. What he called a reconciliation of opposites. When two opposite but equal forces interact to create a third force and of course this romantic imagination had effects Uh, Mary Shelley created Frankenstein when she was 20 indeed she must have inherited her romantic imagination from her mother even if she never met her the wonderful political theorist and philosopher Mary Wollenscraft 
her mother, um, author of the that great proto-feminist book, uh, Vindication of the Rights of Women, of Woman, uh, wrote it. She wrote it in a letter um, in seventeen ninety four. It's from her collected letters, edited by Janet Todd. And she wrote this, The imagination is the true fire, stolen from heaven, to animate this cold creature of clay, producing all those fine sympathies that lead to rapture. So, Wollenscraft saw imagination as the door to liberation, even if it became sensual, seductive, and bewitching, to use her word, in... Um, how it led to despair and rapture. Another um, absent parent uh, would be Lord Byron. Also had uh, he also had another extraordinary daughter, uh, Augusta Ada Byron, or later she'd be known as Ada Lovelace. She too was influenced by this same imagination, but in a different way. Despite the cruelty of her mother, um, by creating a romantic science as such, instead of writing fiction, Ada wrote code or a a computational poetics as such. And she became the first writer of a paper on computer science. In 1843, when she was only 27... She translated a scientific paper by an Italian military engineer called Luigi Menabra. It's called Sketch of an Analytical Engine. Writing uh, seven footnotes which combine to over 60 pages, which was over twice the length of Menabra's text itself, uh, including within these notes the first complete computer program so the conflict between the imagination and and the contemporary industry around creativity can be seen all the way back uh, to the romantics but also as I just mentioned before uh, William Blake uh, to his extraordinary experiences too Uh, he was commissioned to work for this fool uh, who didn't understand the imagination or creative freedom. Um, Blake talked about vision, uh, his muse and his imagination, but his employer, Reverend John Trussler, uh, criticised and tried to denigrate Blake's spiritual intentions. Trussler wanted derivative contemporary and whimsical caricatures as such. In in one of his letters to, to the Reverend from August 1799, Blake wrote, Fun I love, but too much fun is of all things the most loathsome. Mirth is better than fun, and happiness is better than mirth. I feel that a man may be happy in this world, and I know that this world is a world of imagination and vision. I see everything I paint in this world, but everything does not see alike. 
to the eyes of a miser, a guinea is far more beautiful than the sun, and a bag worn with the use of money has more beautiful proportions than a vine filled with grapes. The tree which moves some to tears of joy is in the eyes of others only a green thing which stands in the way. Some see nature all ridicule and deformity, and by these I shall not regulate my proportions, and some scarce see nature at all. But to the eyes of the man of imagination, nature is imagination itself. As a man is, so he sees. So, (laughs) Blake, he also writes uh, about how important the magic of the real world is, how the visions he creates are easily found in the imagination of children. Um, To quote him again, children who have taken a greater delight in contemplating my pictures than I even hoped. Neither youth nor childhood is folly or incapacity. Some children are fools and so are some old men. But there is a vast majority on the side of imagination or spiritual sensation. So this brings me back to Le Guin's wonderful essay. Uh, She sees imagination like any tool as something we need to first learn how to use and that we don't destroy it in our children. So she writes, Children have imagination to start with as they have body, intellect, the capacity for language. Things essential to their humanity, things they need to learn how to use, how to use well. Such teaching, training and practice should begin in infancy and go on throughout life. Young human beings need exercises in imagination as they need exercise in all the basic skills of life, bodily and mental, for growth, for health, for competence, for joy. This need continues as long as the mind is alive. When children are taught to hear and learn the central literature of their people or in literate cultures to read and understand it, their imagination is getting a very large part of the exercise it needs. All of us have to learn how to invent our lives, make them up, imagine them. We need to be taught these skills. We need guides to show us how. Without them, our lives get made up for us by other people. So, why have we forgotten this romantic understanding of imagination? What wonderful works and creations have we lost by this industry of creativity? Because if we can't imagine anything, especially imagine a better future, how can we create one? Much like John Lennon's Imagine Song sings, How has the creative faculty of of our minds, the process of thinking and remembering, creating and fantasizing, been lost to this industry of creativity as opposed to 
the process of imagination. Even the word itself, from the Latin word imaginary, asks us to question ourselves, because it means to picture oneself, to image or imagine oneself, which is perhaps a real understanding of creation, to investigate and picture from yourself to create from your images, your memories, your imagination, a visionary Blakeian place where visions create mental concepts that are not actually tangible to the senses, but are there, present nevertheless. Perhaps the best way to express all our creative worlds is the imagination, just as the romantics trusted. Not, not what has become this commodification of creativity, a creativity industry in academia and corporations. Something divorced from creativity itself or creation itself. Walls away from creation. With words the romantics would have despised, like efficiency and comfortable calculations or calculated maximization of profits and worker performance. So the clutches of consumers' commodification are trying to optimize creativity when it is something the exact opposite, inspired, passionate, a chaos of enthusiasm and courage. So from now on, I will try to use the word imagination as much as I can on this podcast. But at the same time, continue to title episodes with the word creativity so as to allow people conditioned as I was by its amorphous commodification to perhaps hear a reminder of what the romantics called creativity, the imagination. Like children, we need to imagine again. Wild imagination. Imaginary friends. Make-believe. Play. As Blake would have put it, we need to return to the Lamb of Innocence to harness our imagination. As a child. Not the tiger of creativity, like an adult. We do not lack imagination. We are simply told it's ridiculous or weird as we grow up. We are told we have to put away childish things if we are to listen to dogma, um, become more real. So creativity needs imagination. Imagination does not need creativity. So the question is, Do you lack creativity or do you lack imagination? Is this real world more important to you than the imaginary one? And if you think it's imagination which is equally important, if not more, like I do, then how do you return to childhood imagination? So that's the question or the questions that the imagination puts forward. So, thanks for listening. Um, 
I started with a quote from an American writer. But as I've done in previous episodes, I'm going to end with an Irish proverb. Um, Because I'm well into the Irish proverbs. Uh, This one literally means every beginning is weak. And it goes, Bion gach tosok log. Bion gach tosok log. Every beginning is weak. This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via my Patreon page. If you wanted to support the podcast and help me get paid for doing it, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Where you can get early and ad-free access as well as extra episodes when you sign up. So if you can afford it, then give me the cost of a cup of chamomile tea or a pint of Guinness once a month. And if you can't afford it, that's grand too. You can listen for free. But please subscribe to it on iTunes because uh, that's what gets it optimized. Or wherever you listen to it and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to it too. Um, so that, and then let your friends know about it so that the listenership listenership grows. The best way to uh, share anything is to word of mouth. So thank you and thanks for listening. If you're looking for more episodes, you can find them on all the usual places like iTunes or you can head over to my website, that's johnfanning.me under podcasts where I put up uh, overview transcripts and links to all the people and ideas I mention. And if you're into social stuff, I'm on Twitter at fanning underscore J and on Instagram at johnfanning underscore So, it's been great sharing stuff with you today. So, until next time, take care out there and be benevolent when you can. Shlan live, August, can I live?